Hey, Craig. Are you ready? You're in fucking Pullman eating tacos at the zoo. That's why <laughs> I'm so freaking jealous. All right. That's my short song. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you know that song, Jeff? Uh, I do not know that song, but I did recognize the elements about the references to Pullman and Tacos. But yes, uh, that is by Nick Jonas, uh, one of the Jonas Brothers, Gone Out By Himself. Mm. Um, mm. It's, it's a great song about being jealous. And it has the Much F more famous. I didn't, even, I, didn't, I didn't even put that in. I, the the F word's already in there. But anyways, here, um, welcome to Podcast Versus Everyone. I am Craig Powers, and with me on location in Pullman for Spring Ball is Jeff Neusser. Jeff, how are you doing? Well, how can I be doing bad? Because I am in God's country, Craig. God's country as in Noah's Ark? Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. We'll uh, we'll have to tweet this out to the uh, the pod versus everyone uh, Twitter account. If you don't follow pod versus everyone on Twitter, you should do that because that's basically the only place I tweet now, which is, you know, if you like tweets for me, then there you go. If you don't like tweets for me, then definitely don't follow. Anyway, uh, we'll have to tweet this out because, yeah, Pullman got some biblical rain today. It was it was crazy. So so I'm in Pullman. I'm working on working on a couple stories. You guys will see that uh, in the next uh, next couple weeks. Got got some stuff lined up. It's actually I'm super excited. Uh, You know, going to do some stuff with the football team. Went to football practice today. Um, Also got an interview with uh, Kyle Smith tomorrow. So I'm I'm super excited about that also. And, uh, you know, being in Pullman is, is, of course, always one of the best things I, I you know whenever i can get back i can get back in fact i had uh but the reference craig there to, to tacos so, so for people who don't know um i spent my my evening tonight at uh, at the zoo zoo uh what they call it club and grub zoo uh, club and grub out there uh, out by ccn and um spent it with a with a former student of mine actually a kid that i had in uh sophomore english about eight years ago um uh, which is which is sort of funny uh former baseball players named stefan van horn so i don't know if steph's listening but if he is Hi, Steph. Um, so anyway, you know, I I spent the, the afternoon at, at football practice. And uh, while we were sitting at dinner, we saw it. So there was like biblical rain <laughs> this afternoon in Pullman to the point that there was like standing water in the stadium on the on the the artificial turf which i have never seen before at martin stadium not even like so we were sort of comparing it as i was hanging out with theo lawson and brady johnson who writes for kook fan we were just kind of talking and you know we sort of compared it to the colorado game a couple of years ago or was it last year in 20 whatever 2017 right which is actually right. the game that the the picture for the podcast um it was taken at that game and so we were sort of comparing it to that but but even that night i mean it, it didn't rain enough to cause standing water in the middle of the field like it did today and then lo and behold so i'm at i'm at dinner with uh, eating dollar 50 tacos for taco tuesday with stefan and and a bunch of his friends and uh we we start seeing video that uh, grand is completely 
completely flooded <laughs> down by yeah. Dismores uh, to the point where, you know, the cops are trying to make sure people aren't trying to drive across it. So, so yeah, it, it rained a lot here and uh, football practice is rather sloppy. We'll get into that in a little bit, but, but yeah, it's uh it, it rained a lot here and, and, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, that tomorrow's, you know, at least a little bit nicer, but, but you know what, Craig, nothing, nothing can ruin a trip back to Pullman. Of course. And I have some, uh, I, I have some very particular memories at the zoo. Uh, the last summer I was in Pullman, um, when I was in school, I worked at, there's a, a survey research facility out there. Um, it's run by WSU. Uh, and, uh, I, I would work there and all of us that would work there, it was, you know, it's in the summer, hardly anyone's in Pullman. So you, my best friends were my, uh, coworkers and, and we would go out, we would go out and we, a lot of them lived in CCN. So we would, uh, we would go to the zoo on any number of nights per week and just, uh, get completely blitzed and for, uh, almost no money. And so it was, uh, it was great. And, uh. They had a, a bartender at the time. He's pretty famous in Pullman uh, for over-serving. Um, his, name's, <laughs> his name's Alfredo. He's worked at different places. The last time I saw him was at Rancho Viejo, um, which is a great place for him because they have those uh, Mexican flag shots that have 151 in them there. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm uh, familiar. It doesn't, doesn't take long to be over-served with that, even no. with the fire. No. Um, but, yeah, I... Uh, so yeah, we go out there and just you know they they wouldn't stop serving you. And then I go sleep on uh, my uh, friend's floor at CCN and uh, <laughs> we do it all over again. So that was yeah. that was that's my memories of the zoo because I never lived out there. So the first few years I didn't I you know I'd never even been there, but I spent a lot of time there the last my last couple months in Pullman. Uh, so yeah, good times. Um, yeah. So and speaking of drinking, uh, Jeff. Uh, what are you drinking right now? So since I'm in Pullman, I had to go with a with a Pullman beer. And no, it's not Bushlight. I'm not going with Bushlight. Um, got a uh, a beer from Paradise Creek. So Paradise Creek Brewery here in Pullman. Got the uh, Mujo Coffee Milk Stout, and uh, and and it is excellent. It's it's not quite as as stouty as I'm using. It almost kind of it almost kind of goes down like a like a porter. It doesn't quite have that sort of thick mouthfeel that a lot of a lot of stouts have but um but excellent so it's a good beer solid solid coffee milk stout how would you rate that beer other than i don't know what's a, what's our rating stout? what's our rating system this week i don't know i didn't i didn't get one from anyone as far well, as come I can on tell. man what are you doing Falling so we job i i got i got a question from uh someone just discovered us uh gator bodine at I'm that uncle says Coog's podcast. Apparently I'm new and in a small town in Alaska. So, um, of all the Alaskan towns, you know, of Jeff, which, how would you rate that beer? <laughs> I don't know Alaskan towns very well. And this, this is probably not gonna, not gonna go over great with my wife. Cause she, she was actually born in Anchorage. So, um, I don't know. Like, I have no idea what a solid Alaskan town is. I don't know. Is Juneau a solid Alaska? I mean, it's. I know Juneau because it's the capital. I don't know. People from Alaska will probably laugh at me. I have no idea. So, so people from Alaska, do your do your worst to make fun of me. Uh, I can handle it. Yeah, I don't. I've I've been to Alaska a few, a couple years ago. I actually had a buddy who um, 
So he had two different weddings. The one that was actually the one where he and his wife got legally married was in Alaska. And they had just they had went on a trip up there and they decided they wanted to get married up there. And so they were like, oh, uh, Craig and Amanda are our closest friend, like because that they live closest to Alaska. Um, so we flew up to Alaska to basically be witnesses at their wedding at the Alaska Resort, which is about 30 miles outside of Anchorage. It's a ski resort. Um, it was in the summer. We were up at the top of the hill. It was beautiful. Uh, seven glaciers all around. But yeah, so that is my experience in Alaska. Um, so I, I'm also going to have to, even though I've been there, I'm, I, I can think of a couple cities. So I'm just going to pick one of those when I do my beer. Um, so uh, what I am drinking is called Chuck's First Crush. Uh, it is brewed by Rubens Brewing. Oh, uh, Rubens, yeah. Rubens Brews. I'm sorry that I go by. So uh, Rubens does this series called the Crush series. Um, uh, there are, um, if you can probably guess by name, they are a hazy beer series, uh, and they do a they do add different hops to it. Um, it'll be, uh, you know, sometimes I'll do a. This is more along the lines I think of their Double Crush. Because it's at eight percent, um, so it's a nice hazy IPA. When I poured it before we started, it was just super fragrant with like melon and tropical fruit, and it was it's a crazy fragrant beer. Fragrant beer. Rubens executes these hazies about as pretty well as anyone who does them regularly in in um in the Northwest. Um, the mouthfeel isn't quite on point, but I, I think it's really good. It's definitely got that, that thick cloudiness. Um, and like I said the, the aroma is great. Pretty decent bitter kick, like not a huge bitter kick, um, but especially for an 8% beer. Not, But overall, it's a very good uh, hazy IPA if that's what you're into. It's, it was brewed for uh, Chuck's Top Shop's uh, Greenwood. Um, on 85th, uh, the uh, one of the um, long-standing beer shops slash beer bars in the in Seattle, um, uh, their ninth anniversary. Uh, Chuck is um, he's always based on a lot of things, um, so he's got this little cartoon version of himself that he puts on his shirts, and, and so he also has a second beer bar in a. Uh, in the central district of Seattle called Chuck's central district. Um, so he's a pretty big, important person in, in the Seattle beer scene. Um, this is very good beer. Uh, I went up there. Uh, so on Saturday was the day after my birthday, but it was uh, the birthday present that Amanda got me was for the Masonry farmhouse festival, uh, farmhouse beers. Um, so before I went to that, um, where I was going to drink unlimited beer for four and a half hours, I decided it would be a good idea to go have a couple beers first at the Chuck's anniversary party. And so I did that, and then I went and had four and a half hours of unlimited beer. And uh, things are a little, you know, hazy. Um, <laughs> as I, as I, I imagine they would be. I, my phone, when I woke up that morning, my phone was completely dead and would not charge. So I didn't have a phone. Um, and uh, Amanda was so basically, we were just trying to plan things out with Amanda picking me up. Uh, she basically 
came by once. I wasn't around at the masonry. She came by. Eventually, I had one of my uh, people I was with, uh, one of my friends I had made along the way, text her, be like, you can come get me now, um, about two hours after she thought. Um, And so uh, apparently I was pretty, um, well, I I remember being quite um, uh, huggy with the staff at Browers. I wanted to go to Browers as well. Uh, it's right down the street from the masonry. So I had a good um, birthday weekend and a part of it was Chuck's and uh, I picked up um, a, a four pack of Chuck's first crush. Um, and then uh, in in my happy drunkenness gave two of them to some of my new friends. Um, so I had two left, uh, which is enough for me. I don't need all four. Um, so this but, uh, this would be what uh, what Kyle Sherwood so Kyle who was on our podcast a couple weeks ago so what Kyle Sherwood would affectionately refer to as Craig the beer fairy. Yes, I beer ferried uh, just about uh, handed out these beers um, as I am wont to do. Partic- I I earned that from Kyle at tailgates where I just bring my fancy beer and shove it down everyone's throat. Um, and treat it as a beer share, but I'm the only one actually sharing. Uh, <laughs> close uh, enough. Uh, close enough. Yeah. Close Someone's enough. sharing. Yeah, Someone is more, sharing. That by definition sounds like a beer share. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so this beer, um, I really like it. Uh, I really like this uh, little town called uh, uh, Seward. It's on the. Uh, it's on. It's on the bay. Um, it was about, uh, on the really slow, uh, Alaskan railway. It was about a four hour ride from Anchorage. Um, just a beautiful area. We did whale watching, saw humpback whales, uh, saw, uh, glaciers that go up right to the ocean and they calve into the ocean, make these super loud sounds. Uh, it was a beautiful place. Uh, so I think, uh, Chuck's first crush is deserving of a, to be aligned with Seward. Um, so this is for you, uh, Gator Bodine, if you're listening, um, hopefully you are, uh, we did that just for you. Um, so yeah, beer, um, and, and sports. I think that's what we talk about here yeah. sometimes. And, and by the way, sports. by the way, I, can I just say, I was really, this is going to sound terrible, but I was really glad to find out that your phone had crapped out. And, and here's why, because, okay, so I forgot to wish you happy birthday actually on your birthday. And then I felt <laughs> super shitty. And so the next day I'm like, oh, damn it. So I, I sent you a text. It was like, hey, I hope you had a great birthday last night. And then you didn't respond. And I was like, oh, never, never got that. I was like, Craig's probably mad at me because I forgot to wish him happy birthday. And, and Sarah was over there following along with your Instagram posts on all the all the stuff you're drinking. And so anyway, so when you let me know on Sunday that actually your phone had died, I was like, OK, now I've OK, good. <laughs> like, like, OK, he's not mad at me. That's good. Oh, and by the way, uh, it's funny. My uh, Amanda asked me, oh, has it been free not having a phone? And I was like, no. Like it's it's really obnoxious. It there's sucks. so many like little things that I want to do that I can't do. Like <laughs> there's been so like it's just super obnoxious. So uh, we are slaves. I, we are I absolute know. slaves. <laughs> yeah, I did. Like maybe if I was in the woods like camping and and like I knew that I was gonna be away from right. technology. That's one thing. But if you're around it and you're like. Oh, I got to pull up my laptop to do this <laughs> instead uh, of just use my phone. Right. Oh, and my 
you know, my my Apple Watch, was, which I had just gotten the day before. Like, I was so excited to use. And this thing is about 10% capable without the phone. Oh, so yeah. Like, if that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you it's can just go a, for a run without the phone. Yeah, it, it's about it's it. just it's just an expensive fitness tracker at that point. So. Yeah, but a really yeah. nice fitness tracker. Yeah, a really nice expensive fitness a tracker. Really nice expensive point. fitness tracker for sure. So I got yeah. I got I got I, I'm back with phone and I've been I got it this afternoon and I've been feeling very good and happy and uh, and yeah so um, it's good. So yeah, that's so I was able to uh, text you today, Jeff, chatting with you about um, your time in Pullman. So you were yeah. there. You were there at practice today. I was. Um, what would would you see? Would you think thoughts, observations, other than yeah. it was super rainy? Yeah. So uh, so I was there to to sort of pay attention to Leach. I'm working on a story on him, um, which was kind of hard to do with the rain, um, but. Uh, kind of the big takeaway. And, and so I imagine by the time people listen to this, uh, it'll probably go up uh, Wednesday morning. By the time people listen to this, they may have already read maybe other practice reports from from either the Coog fan or, you know, the spokesman. Um, but the sort of the big development was that Gage Gabrud practiced for the first time in some sort of um, – it was, certainly wasn't full capacity, um, but he definitely practiced in – most participation. Um, and so he was out there. He looked really, really good, actually. Um, you know, kind of early on in practice before they did sort of any kind of skeleton or team type activities. Um, you know, he was just kind of goofing around with some of the other quarterbacks and, um, you know, seemed to be, you know, moving pretty well. He did a little light jogging. I was like, okay, well then later, you know, he did some, uh, some skeleton drills, um, you know, some, you know, not none, he didn't do any 11 on 11 things, but did, did a whole bunch of skeleton stuff, did some, you know, individual quarterback drills where they, you know, they'll have a quarterback, you know, practice their drop back and then they'll point in a direction and they'll, you know, shuffle to that side and that side or whatever, you know, it's kind of to, to mimic, you know, pocket movement. Um, he did those without any kind of a limp at all, what you would, what you would expect. So, um, you know, as he was, he was throwing the ball, he looked good, um, looked confident, looked poised. I mean, you know, all these things that he did throwing the ball were, um, you know, definitely drills, you know, for the most part. Um, like I say, he did do some skeleton, um, which is just for those uh, people who don't know, it's just the quarterback and receivers plus the linebackers and defensive backs. So, um, just kind of a, almost, you know, more of a seven on seven kind of deal and, uh, looked, looked really good. Looked, looked, uh, looked excellent to the point where, you know, I don't know if he's that far away from, and I guess it kind of depends on what the coaching staff wants to do. Um, but, you know, I certainly wouldn't be shocked if he got to a point where he played in the spring game. I mean, he really looked that, that good. He didn't participate at all in 11 on 11 stuff, which is of course where, um, you know, you, you're sort of facing the live stuff and, you know, maybe you, you tweak a thing because you try and do a thing that, you know, instinctively your body wants to do during a, during a competitive moment. But, um, you know, it would not shock me at all. I mean, they've got, you know, whatever, another week and a half before, before the spring game, um, really wouldn't shock me at all if, if he got to a point where, 
um, where he was participating in that game. So, yeah, pretty interesting there. Um, Anthony Gordon, Trey Tinsley. I know, you know, that's that's kind of the other part is they, they want to know how those guys are doing. Um, I would say, and again, this this is all with the huge caveat that it was a freaking disaster <laughs> out there with the rain um, and the wind. But I would say, you know, Tinsley. Um, Gordon probably looked better during like the drills and the skeleton, um, but during the team portion, Tinsley definitely looked better there. So, you know, it's it, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if, um, you know, how much you can learn from each part. I, I know the coaches probably have a better handle on that, but not, not probably. The coaches have a better handle on that. Um, but, you know, I kind of wonder how much of Tinsley, you know, is kind of him being a gamer. Luke Falk was sort of famous for looking pretty pedestrian in practice and then um you know getting out on a field particularly during that that the end of his you know freshman year and then into his sophomore year um you know playing really well during games so you know i don't know maybe tinsley has a little bit of that in him um i certainly would say there was nothing with gabrud that that led me to think okay you know this guy is um you know, probably not going to be the quarterback or is going to be in for some sort of big fight heading into next season. Um, even just in the limited action, he he threw some really nice balls and um, looked like he'd he'd probably be the guy. Um, and then you know the other two guys. So I know I'm kind of rambling at this point, but the the other two guys, if people want to know about uh, Cam and Cooper and Gunnar Cruz, um, Cam and Cooper took the um, third set of reps with the first team offense. So when they when they split up into um, both skeleton and then also did their 11 on 11 team portion, um, Cruz. So it went uh, I believe it went Tinsley, Gordon, then and then Cooper. Um, run in with the ones. So, um, and he looked pretty good, um, looked better than Gordon. You know, again, it's, it's tough to say how much of that is, you know, whatever the, the weather or whatever, but, but Cooper looked pretty good, um, was pretty impressive. The one thing that I, that I kind of took away that, you know, you kind of have to be there to see is Gunnar Cruz is huge. <laughs> that is a big, big kid. And he might be, I mean, he might be two full inches taller than Cooper, and Cooper's supposed to be six four, so it's uh he is muscular and well built and my goodness man that kid looks, I mean he looks every bit the part of a big time quarterback, um you know looked pretty you know throwing the ball, you know good throws a good ball also looked a little slow with his reads just like you know any new quarterback uh, running the air raid, uh, John Bledsoe threw the ball pretty well, but, but kind of the same deal, you know, a little faster with his reads, but again, not quite the same arm talent. So I don't know. There's your quarterback report. Gabrud looked good in his first action. The other two guys looked fine. Uh, Cooper looked pretty good. And then it, it kind of dropped off from there. But Jeff, the big question, uh, during spring ball, um, did Gabrud look good or did the defense look bad? I know, right? <laughs> that's always the that's always the million dollar question, right? Is like, is, is this defense, is this a good defense or bad offense or good defense or, or sorry, good offense or bad defense? Um, yeah, you know, the defense kind of had had a little bit of an easy go of it today because the weather was so bad. The, the offense kept, you know, they were dropping balls and fumbled the ball a couple times and. I mean, it's really hard to overstate how much of a disaster it was out there. Um, we got to a point, like I tried to kind of get close to the field so that I could kind of hear what the coaches were saying for my story, you know, kind of trying to get some some anecdotes and eventually just sort of retreated up to uh, basically where your season tickets are under the club seats so that I could, I could stay dry. And that didn't even help totally because it was still so windy and 
don't know, it was about 40 degrees out. So 45 degrees. So anyway, yeah, it's, you know, the defense, you know, again, it's whatever. Tough to say, tough to say. So speaking of those season tickets, I'm going to have to move them slightly over because we were camped right under a bird's nest or something, and it was just covered in bird shit all the time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I walked past um, this that on year. my way out. I yeah. saw the those giant are my pile seats. of bird shit. Oh, my gosh. I was like, wow. That's, I would, that's I would a lot send of bird an shit. email every week to the athletic department like like please clean it at least before the game and my yeah. sister when it because i was out of the country the last couple of games my sister used my tickets and she just got pooped on a lot i, I at least oh. never got pooped on during the game but anyways yeah so um how about did, did you notice anything in the secondary with all the new guys there have you did you uh, uh yeah. see maybe who was playing the safety position the the strong safety position or anything like that yeah, so they they rotated a lot of guys um, around, but but the the one thing I would say is just sort of like um, standing next to the group when they were doing some positional things. Uh, they're definitely you know there's a noticeable um, size difference um, in terms of what they um, you know maybe have been in the in the past with maybe some smaller guys, um, and they they just looked really they looked really impressive. They're physical. Um, Daniel Isom did so he's he's one of the JC kids mm-hmm. uh, he's a bounce back D1 guy um one of the he basically was working with the starters um he got an owie somewhere near the end of practice it, it was tough to see exactly what it was maybe like it tweaked an ankle or something the surface was pretty slippery out there because um, of all the rain but um, up until that point had looked had looked great um, I think it was kind of tough for me to see at times again because I was kind of hiding <laughs> trying to hide up under the up under the uh, the cover but I, I do believe that Beekman was was uh, playing next to next to Jalen Thompson and then um, Skylar Thomas, who was the the safety back there next to next to Thompson last year, was playing nickel. Um, and it seems like I know that move was made a few practices ago. It seems like that's kind of where he's entrenched now um, with the first team. So. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I saw. I mean, the, the defensive backs I thought looked uh, looked really good. And again, it's it's tough to say the weather was terrible and, you know, whatever. But uh, but, you know, it definitely definitely will encourage. It seems like from the from the talent they've got down there. Well, yeah, I'm you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it in person. And uh, that's less than two weeks now, uh, 11 or it'll be 10 days when we launch this. So uh, I'm really excited for the spring game to be back in Pullman and. Um, uh, the big question I have for you is, uh, um, what was it like to stretch those reporter muscles again? Oh my gosh. It's like, (laughs) I just sort of like, it's, it's kind of like riding a bike, but you know, I don't know, um, you know, if there's any readers out there who, who rode a bike when they were a kid and then tried to ride a bike when they were an adult. And I actually had this experience not that long ago. And so, um, you know, I I don't ride bikes very much. And I rode a bike and it's a little wobbly at first. Um, that's kind of what this was like, you know, <laughs> I'm out there covering practices and, and something I haven't, haven't done in quite a long time. So, um, but yeah, it's super fun. It was super, super fun. Um, other, you know, kind of other big things I noticed, uh, so Cassidy Woods, uh, I wrote about this about a week ago, Cassidy Woods, um, was an outside receiver who's made the move to the inside and, and he's a big kid, um, about six, three, two twenty or six, four, two twenty, something like that. Um, he was an absolute beast from his inside receiver spot all day long. Now he had, he had kind of some ups and downs, um, but the ups were, were 
beastly for lack of a better term. Um, he had one, you know, stretch during the 11 on 11, um, where he, uh, took, you know, there's a running play where, uh, Cole Dubots, who's the, uh, converted linebacker playing running back this spring. Um, mm-hmm. he had a long touchdown run, maybe about 35 yards or something. And, and Woods just absolutely, you know, he blocked Skylar Thomas about 20 or 30 yards downfield. Like he just took him for a ride all the way down the field. And it wasn't the, you know, that wasn't the block certainly that sprung Dubots, but it was the kind of block that allows a, a 15 yard run to become, you know, a 30 or 40 yard run, you know, that kind of block. Um, and then later, you know, he, he caught a red zone touchdown on Thomas, um, did a little like kind of a post thing uh, from his inside spot and, and caught a touchdown from there. Um, and then later caught a touchdown, another red zone touchdown, um, you know, doing a little like kind of corner route thing uh, from the inside. So really impressed with him. Um, I, I, I don't know, man, just watching it, it does not seem like a novelty. And I think that was sort of the thing that people were worried about when they saw the report about, um, you know, him moving on the inside that maybe it would be a little bit of a novelty, you know, the Andre Lintz variety, right? So Andre Lintz being the the great fabled, you know, tight end that never was for Mike Leach. Um, but from watching him play today, from watching Woods play today, um, certainly seemed like, uh, it did not seem like a novelty, I guess is the way I would put it, that it seemed like this is a legit, a legit move and, and could be, could create some really interesting, uh, matchup problems for some other defenses, uh, defensive line, Lamonte McDougal or Lamont McDougal. Um, he is a beefcake. Like that dude is just, um, he's, he looks like a nose tackle. Um, I know he's a little bit, you know, smaller than the NFL nose tackle types. He's a, a hair under 300 pounds, but, um, he just sort of has that body shape. He's very stout. Um, he's got the gut going, um, just kind of fun. He didn't really cause a lot of disruption up the middle. Um, and, and I get the sense that you're just kind of from the practice reports I've read that that's what the coaching staff is looking for from him because, um, as much as we sort of with Taylor comfort, we kind of wondered, I, I don't know, like we looked at Taylor comfort and what this guy like so much does not look the part. Right. Um, but he was very disruptive and, um, like, like shockingly so right when the season started. So, um, I, I think they're looking for a little more of that out of McDougal. Um, as I said, he, he, he wasn't all that disruptive today, but, um, you know, he certainly looks like, you know, the kind of guy who, um, is going to be able to do some damage that, you know, they, they got a few sacks coming off the edge, you know, again, it was, um, it was rainy out. And then the other part was actually Liam Ryan got a little, a little owie during practice. So he's moved out to left tackle to replace Andre Dillard, moved out from left guard to left tackle. Um, sometime shortly after bull in the ring, which is how they start practice. Um, he came up swearing and, and limping and, uh, but it didn't look too serious. He, he was taking part in some uh, exercises that they have the uh, guys who get injured during practice, taking part in some exercises, um, tried to come out and give it a go and just couldn't. So I, I'm optimistic that whatever happened to him is, is probably not a huge deal. And, um, you know, but I think the left tackle spot was was a little iffy at times from there, but seemed to do OK for the most part. Great, man. Um, I that. Uh, I, I know that you were a bit hampered because of the rain and, and, and you had to buy like you had to go with the old school notepad and everything. But um, that was great. Um, particularly, particularly interesting. Uh, just recapping that that uh, long report is uh, going back to Cassidy Woods. Just 
you know, when I read those reports, immediately what I thought of was Andre Lentz. Like like you said, that was that was exactly what I thought of. But it, it's very encouraging to hear, particularly on the blocking side, because um, we've had you know, it, it probably going back to Falk senior year, we had some struggles, especially in the blocking from the inside receivers, which is very very important to the screen game and very very important to the running game. Um, so it, it sounds great to just have a, a big dude just mashing little tiny nickel corners like <laughs> and then just running right behind him. Uh, yeah, and, and just having that because, you know, the, this team's already pretty stacked at inside receiver with, uh, uh, you know, three returning very good players. And, and just to have another guy that comes along and adds a totally different element is, you know, ma- makes it exciting. Uh, uh, that's That's the part we talk about with this. You, you're talking about the quarterbacks rotating in and out, but when you're looking at it, you're adding another element with Woods in the slot, just even even more uh, talent and depth in the in the rotation, and and already you know great players on the outside, great players on the inside. Like who, whoever gets the quarterback job is going to put up numbers because of that. They are crazy deep at receiver. It's really sort of tough to. Uh, I don't know, man. It's tough to describe, but you know, when you watch, you know, on on one side you got Des Patman and and uh, Aesop, you know, Winston kind of kind of going for it, and then you know on the other side you see Calvin Jackson and Tay Martin, um, you know, and then like we said, you know, Cassidy Woods and Jameer Calvin's not even not even playing. Terrell Harris caught a really long touchdown from uh, Trey Tinsley, kind of at the start of uh, of the team portion. So. So yeah, they're they're they are really really good and really really deep at receiver and and it's you know whoever ends up playing quarterback, um you know th- they've got the best uh you know the best security blanket that they could possibly have which is you know a really really good really deep um, set of receivers. And Max Borgie. And Max Borgie who had a, a quintessential Max Borgie touchdown run today from. Uh, I don't know, had to be about the seven or eight yard line, did a little red zone thing. And he uh, takes the handoff and then sort of hides behind the offensive line and then just kind of hops around. And then all of a sudden, you know, boom, he's gone and, and just kind of walked into the end zone. It was, uh, it was very impressive and very Max Borgie. And uh, I am very glad that he is ours and not uh, Stanford's or Colorado's. Absolutely. All right, man. I, well, I'm glad you're in Pullman. Uh, I'm glad you got to stretch out those reporting muscles. Hope you didn't pull anything. And uh, I look forward to more next week. We'll we'll talk about, you know, your your chat with Kyle Smith and and what else, whatever else you're you're yeah. doing with doing with Leach and everything there. And um, so yeah. Uh, well, speaking of uh, basketball, I guess since we we're talking about Kyle, we we've we've hammered the Kyle Smith point home for the last couple of weeks so we'll give you guys a break for like are a you second. sure because we could talk some more i mean i could i could probably talk forever about my love for kyle smith we'll 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 take we'll take a one week break yeah i think the then, listeners but, probably are thankful for that and, and then and then you can fawn over him next week after you meet the man in person oh and so. i will i will absolutely <laughs> there will be fawning so that's for sure you but but we we do have to talk about basketball because we are basketball nerds after all. And one of my favorite, it's funny, it's it 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 just seems stupid. It's on a Monday, but one of my favorite nights of the year is Championship Monday. I I put so much stock in it. I love it. Um, it doesn't matter who's in it. 
it's a big deal to me. One shiny moment's a big deal to me. Um, it just, uh, it's the, the purest and raw motion of college sports and uh, in a, in a, in, in, it's amazing how, you know, just putting a couple student sections there can take a, a very holy corporate environment and, and make it still somewhat fun. Because um, you look on the sidelines and it's like all these people in suits and you're like, this is stupid. But then they show those students losing their minds in the in the in, in the in the uh, the baseline and it's pretty great. But but yeah, so Virginia, Texas Tech, um, obviously uh, before the game. Uh, before the entire Final Four, you had uh, primarily defensive-focused teams, um, but uh, Virginia and Texas Tech were the uh, the two biggest. Well, Michigan State was pretty big too, but the but the two the two biggest defensive stalwarts, and they prevailed and and made it to the title game with two young coaches who um, we've talked about Tony a lot. Um, I wouldn't mind talking about Chris Beard a little bit because. He's amazing, but uh, but but uh, but yeah, two two young coaches. It was really cool to see two programs who had never been there before. Uh, someone was going to win something new. It just felt like this. There's a different level of passion and enthusiasm around it, um, and and just a, a certain different level of importance. Like you know, because if like Duke or North Carolina is winning another title, like it's not that interesting to me, even though they. Usually, usually it's the players that make it interesting. Um, like you know, watching Zion is always great. But uh, but it was it was fun to watch two uh, just very disciplined, very um, dedicated and and teams who have clear systems in place and, and coaches that are dedi- like dedicated to certain ways of doing things and 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 uh, I think a lot of us thought it was going to go that way. I personally wasn't. Still, I was still excited to watch it regardless because um, after these many years of Ernie, I love watching a freaking closeout and I love watching a box out and a defensive rebound. And, I, you know, that, that just kind of stuff is actually pretty interesting now. Um, but this game featured just some players balling out, hitting tough shots, hitting and, and, it, and just the excitement level was um, replay notwithstanding. But the excitement level was. Uh, about as high as you can get for for uh, a national championship game. Um, obviously, Virginia prevailed. Um, Jeff, I think we talked about Tony Bennett enough last week, so we won't talk about that. But yeah, that was pretty cool to see Virginia win. Um, and um, what were what were your thoughts on the game overall? I mean, similar to yours, it's you know it was two really excellent teams. Um, you know, the sort of the big takeaway was. Um, just I think just sort of validation of um, the fact that, you know, these two teams were known for their their defense. But in the end, it, w- it was really their offenses um, that separated them. You know, it, I, obviously the whole, you know, first to 46 thing w- was, you know, extremely tongue in cheek. Um, but no. but there. Yeah, right. But, but there was a certain amount of, you know, these are just two really, really, really good defenses. I mean, I was, I was frankly blown away by what Texas tech did to Michigan state. Um, I mean, Michigan state couldn't, I mean, they couldn't run anything, you know, Texas tech was on them. And and I think the thing that, you know, was, was sort of most amazing about what that defense does. Um, and so for people that don't know, you know, when we talk, we, we've talked before on this podcast about Ken Pomeroy stats and about KenPom.com and all that stuff and, um, adjusted efficiency and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, Texas Tech's adjusted defensive efficiency is like not just, 
um, really good this year, but it's like really good for any year, um, you know, like historically good. And, you know, as I watch them and I, you know, I don't get to watch a lot of college basketball during the season these days. Um, I spend my time watching the Cougs and after that, it's sort of like, you know, whatever I can catch, which isn't a whole lot. So um, for a lot of these teams, I don't really get to see them that much until the tournament. And man, Tech's defense just blew me away. Um, It wasn't what's amazing about what they do is that, you know, they're they're like. So one of the things that the pack line defense um, prioritizes is, you know, so, so to talk about Virginia for a sec, because Virginia obviously has the reputation of being a great defensive team, just like Tony Bennett's teams did here. Um, you know, they protect the rim at all costs, you know, they'll give up some threes. Um, and the other thing they don't do is they don't really generate a lot of turnovers. They're not really concerned with that. They're just concerned with, you know, funneling players to spots where they're, they're going to take difficult shots or there's going to be, you know, more help from, from teammates, you know, those kinds of things. Um, the Texas tech defense forces a shit ton of turnovers. And so when you take, you know, basically Virginia's defense and then add, you know, forcing turnovers on 25% of possessions, I mean, that's how you create an elite elite, like historically elite defense. And then you add, um, Tariq Owens, who was their, their shot blocking center. Um, and I really think that his, he, he hurt his ankle in the, in the game against Michigan state. I really think that that injury, um, affected Texas Tech's defense pretty strongly against Virginia, but um, Virginia's D or Virginia's offense was no slouch. And, and you could probably, you know, I'll throw this back to you to talk about, but you know, Virginia, just like, you know, Tony Bennett's offenses, you know, when he was here, didn't get a lot of credit because the defenses were so good. And because the offenses weren't scoring, you know, 80 points a game, um, Virginia's offense was really, really, really freaking good and deserves uh, much more attention than it gets. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's a crazy thing. Like, uh, we were, uh, you know, we were chatting on Slack last night and, and it was just, uh, Virginia ended the season with the number two adjusted offensive, uh, efficiency in, in the country on Kempon, like, like per possession, it was Gonzaga and then Virginia, which by and, the way, was higher than their defense ranked. Yeah. Their, their defense, defense was, was fifth. fifth. This is how Tony Bennett has built, a, you know, a perennial top five team and now a, a championship. It's not just the defense. He has the offense to go along with it. Texas Tech was able to have a, a very good offense, but not like an elite offense, but just one of the greatest defenses we've seen in the last 20 years or, you know, that since we've been measuring it the way we do now, um, it's, it's, you know, it's harder to measure in the past, but um, their defense per possession was as good as you're going to see period. And, and like you said, in a different way, but Virginia was able to, and, and obviously Owens uh, injury played in this, but Virginia was able to effectively shred their defense. Like it, like they, um, they put up 1.21 points per possession against a defense that, that in in um let me go in 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 Big 12 play which is generally seen as an offensive conference but that gave up uh 0.93 points per possession in Big 12 play uh which is one of the best conferences in the in the country especially offensively um and Tony Bennett's <laughs> offense with Kyle Guy and 
and uh, Hunter and, and, and Jerome and all those guys was able to put up 1.21, which is just crazy. Um, and that speaks to how good uh, they have, the mover blocker offense has come offensively. Um, yeah. And once you, once you plug the right guys in, cause obviously they're getting, they're not getting top, they're not getting five-star recruits there, but they are getting top 100 recruits and Hunter is going to be a top 10 pick probably. And so it's not like they're devoid of talent. Um, but they, but they're definitely not, don't have the talent of, you know, a Duke or a North Carolina or a Kansas or whatever, what have you, but they're definitely, they, but they've created this amazing offense. And that's honestly, that's why they're winning the national championship. That's why they're top five team every year is because their offense has caught up to, and, and in some ways surpassed their defense, which is crazy and not fair. And, uh, um, congrats to Tony. We talked about him a lot last week. How about Chris Beard though, man? Uh, Texas Tech went to the national championship game. Right. Texas, it that and 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 they they had that thing, man. Like they, yeah. They, like uh, it took a late three from Hunter, and it, like, it's it's crazy. Like it's 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 crazy. Like and and I I and t- he lost, I think six major contributors off last year. Yep. And off an elite eight team, and they yep. came back and they were better. Yep. Um, we got a couple of couple of grad transfers, which yeah. helps. And then uh, Jared of course Culver. have Jared Culver. <laughs> that helps a lot. Yeah, just hit the lottery with him. Obviously, like uh, there's there's talent identification and recruiting, but he wasn't a a super high level recruit. Um, he was a you know higher level recruit, but um, he wasn't a five star by any means. But he definitely plays like it, and uh, just yeah, that uh, just so impressed. Um, um, I, I, uh, read an article in the athletic today. Um, thanks to Kyle Sherwood pointed out to, uh, to me, um, about the way that Texas Tech has, has invested in, in, in the, uh, so we can tie this back to WC basketball. So, because my thing, if Texas Tech can do this then we can at least do something approximating it, uh, you know, um, so, uh, they're talking about how they've invested in basketball, Beard makes a good salary, makes up over $3 million. So that's why it made him harder to push um, for other programs. Um, guys, I, I don't think he's going to be. Uh, there's not a position le- left open that he, he would go to at this point, at least this year. Um, and he has a nice connection with Texas Tech, having been an assistant there under Bobby Knight. So um, as you might remember, he was the coach at UNLV for about a week until <laughs> he moved to Texas Tech. So I had um, totally forgotten about that until uh, like I looked up, um, I just was like, you know, just doing a little, I was like, man, I, what don't I know about Chris Beard? Right. So I started looking and I'm like, you know, oh yeah, that's right. He was the coach at, you know, Little Rock. And, and then I looked, and I went, oh shit, I totally forgot about the UNLV thing. He was like the coach at UNLV for like five minutes, you know, and then, uh, gets lured back to Texas. I mean, if you're UNLV, are you just like, God damn it. Like you were so close oh, man. to having Chris Beard, right? I mean, oh, it's like, I mean, we like maybe WSU fans and UNLV fans can just go have a pity party together <laughs> as we're watching our, uh, pot- you know, our uh, potential great coaches that we once had in hand. Might be the uh, first the championship time game. WSU fans and UNLV fans had anything in common, but. Aside from having fun in Las Vegas, I don't know. Well, that's but, uh, <laughs> that, that's that's aside from partying too much and getting yourself in trouble. I don't know. But Other yeah. than that, 
but yeah, so um, yeah, the interesting thing from that uh, athletic article, um, aside from being reminded that he was at UNLV for like a week, um, was uh, just the way uh, Texas Tech invests in. So uh, they invest in a, a lot of extra graduate assistants, um, as many. So basically, they're able to have the players do extra workouts both in the strength and conditioning part and in 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 the shoot around like in the gym part whenever they want to they give the option them to do whatever they want to because they have all these extra graduate assistants they have so that there's a lot of investment around that um and that's uh, um and then they they obviously they they've 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 uh they've invested in their recruiting budget uh so that when a guy comes available like like Owens uh, and like the um, was it Mooney? Uh, as as soon as he came up came up as as an option, they said he was like the day he uh, announced that he would transfer. They were up there talking to him. So that's uh, that they have they've invested. So basically they've they've so we we talk about the way that uh, Kyle Smith is looking for inefficiencies. Um, Chris Beard and Texas Tech have basically looked for inefficiencies by and just investing in areas uh, that they feel they can control and you know and 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 just you know make because they don't have the big basketball building yet they are going to get one and I think that helps keep uh, Beard there of course because uh, they're going to build a 29 million dollar facility uh, for the women's and men's team but uh, but yeah it's, but but. For now, they're they're creating that edge and being able to land certain guys and recruiting, uh, just through uh, certain through having just an overwhelming number of staff, and like a larger staff than typical. Obviously, beyond the certain allowed number of uh, assistant coaches you're allowed to have, so you supplement that with graduate assistants and such, um, which obviously the school has to invest in through, uh, you know, paying for their school and then a, a stipend and things like that, whatever. Um, so I'm I don't know how my Texas Tech uh, where that probably comes around forty fifty thousand dollars a year I would I would imagine, but um but yeah and the, but I think paying for the the recruiting and and being able to jump on a plane whenever um private jet and stuff that's probably where you see a lot of the expense, and so they they um they invest a pro they they invest as of uh, two years ago data seventh most of the ten teams in the Big Twelve um, in money. Um, from what I'm thinking is, is where that, where's, where does that investment come from WSU? Um, obviously, you know, uh, Kyle Smith wants to, um, put in these cameras and sensors and things so that he can measure players the way he wants to be. And Jeff, what I'm thinking is I, I hope that, you know, I, I, I hear that support that the athletics department gave Chris Beard to, basically build the team that he wanted to and a, t- a top five team who made it to the national championship game and damn near won it and and made it to the elite eight the year before that and uh it looks like they they may be around for a while you know um i'm thinking i'm hoping that you know chun has the same attitude with with smith and will kind of give him what he needs to succeed 
I think the the idea is you're you're looking at these places kind of around the margins, right? Where you can, um, you know, create some value, right? The, these inefficiencies, whatever, um, you know, where are these areas where you can kind of get the most bang for your buck? Um, you know, and I I always kind of thought, I mean, I kind of thought about this a lot in terms of football, but, um, I, you know, I would think it would apply to basketball as well. Kind of what you talked about, like you know, being, you know maybe you invest some more money in, in recruiting, you know, sure. Okay. So I can't, I can't right now build a, you know, a $30 million practice facility, right? Like that's not, that's not something that's happening anytime soon, but could I spend, and I have no idea if this is, if this is the right number, but you know, could I spend a hundred thousand dollars on a, on a player movement tracking system, right? That's going to give me data on my players. You know, is that something that, um, is gonna, gonna provide some value on the margins. So, you know, I, I hope, and, and, and I assume, I mean, I say, I hope, but, but I assume that, you know, Wazoo is looking at these things, um, under Smith, under Chun, you know, Leach obviously did get the big facility, but, you know, if there are, you know, things he thinks he can do on the margins, I, I think those are the things that, that we definitely, you know, need to be looking at, um, you know, I, again, you know, I don't know if we can, you know, do what we do on the scale that, that Texas tech did. Um, but the, that definitely maybe, you know, provides some hope, you know, if you're, um, you know, thinking about things in a creative way and looking for places where you can find value. Um, you know, I mean, heck that's how Mike price won two, you know, pac 10 championships and went to two Rose bowls. Um, not that all of his players were like this, but you know, he certainly had a, uh, a significant number of, you know, non-qualifiers and partial qualifiers who, you know, back when you could take those, you know, prop 48 kids in the Pac-10, um, you know, and those guys, Leon Bender was one of those guys on the 97 team uh, that went to the Rose Bowl. You know, he was defensive tackle, was kind of, you know, had had a, a, a long list of, of academic challenges. Um, but, you know, that, that was a way that Mike Price sort of used an inefficiency he was like okay well we can take these guys and we'll be patient with them and you know maybe we get guys who are more talented who you know just need us to work with them and um you know anything we can do on that front and and you know and i was begging for that for from ernie for for years and years you know it's just somewhere you know find something on the margin and the margin he settled on was junior college transfers which of course was the dumbest idea that any coach has ever had at a high major and you know got him shown the door uh, for the handsome sum of, you know, $4 million, but whatever. I, I did see there was a, there was an interesting quote from Beard um, where uh, it was kind of a paraphrase, but basically he says that he knows he's not going to outcoach, you know, Bill Self and some of the other uh, coaches in, in the Big 12, but but he, he, know, he values having um, an older team which I thought was interesting. And that's when you think about like, but, but he didn't go look for junior college transfers as much as he got those graduate transfers. And, but you, those are, um, those can be hit or miss too, as well. Um, WSU had middling success with like Drick Bernstein. Um, but, but it, but yeah, going out and getting the best guys, um, requires some some resources and, and, and some identification, um, and and just you know, obviously it helped them having been to the Elite Eight the year before to bring in uh, Mooney and 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 uh, and Owens 
uh, and they were huge for their for this run. Obviously, like Mooney was down the stretch, like the guy for them. So, uh, um, yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm hoping, you know, honestly, Texas Tech, uh, even even though I th- I think they have they have more resources to invest in basketball than we do for sure. Um, but still, it's you know they've seen it as an out of a way, out of the way place in the Big Twelve, um, and uh, we're the out of the way place in the Pac-12. So, so hopefully that provides some encouragement that we can, we can be better, we can find margins, we can create a basketball team that maybe is not win- we're competing for national titles, but is uh, competing you know, for sweet 16s or NC tournament, NCAA tournaments or what have you. Yep. And you know, you just never know when a team is going to jump up and surprise you like our beloved Mariners. Well, yeah, man, I, yeah, I, I, I told you before, <laughs> I, I want, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about them before this all just before they suck. Cause it's yeah. going to happen. Like it, I mean, it, we're, we're, uh, the, the Mariners fans, the Mariners have this amazing ability to do exactly what you didn't think they were going to do for the first like month of the season. Uh, we've had years when we were thought they were going to be good and they just come out and like shit the bed. But man, I'll tell you, man, this first 13 games, they're 11 and two. They've been a blast because uh, hitting dingers, scoring runs. Uh, the two losses both came. You know, it, it's very reminiscent of the late 90s teams. The two losses both came because of, like, bullpen meltdowns. Like, I, I was, like, having flashbacks to Bobby Ayala and, and, and like, Norm Charlton when he just, like, went off a cliff. And and so, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm like, hey, you know, if, you, if you're going to, like, I know they're, they're going to cool down, obviously. But the, the nice thing is there's so many guys hitting, like, they, I mean, uh, you would hope that they don't all cool down all at the same time, and some of this is is somewhat realistic. Like it seems like Edwin and Carson Carnacion could be somewhat realistic, and Domino, Domingo Santana, Santana can be somewhat realistic. Obviously, like Daniel Vogelback is not going to slug fifteen hundred the entire year. He, hey, but, hey, hey! You watch your mouth. He you went. Watch by the way, your mouth. He went three for five with two doubles and a single today. And lowered his slugging percentage and lowered his on-base percentage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe that's unrealistic, but but no, but I mean honestly, Vogie's like, my guy. But Vogelback should have been playing last year. Um, he should have been playing over Healy last year. But even Healy's playing well this year. I'm kind of like, uh, just stay injured, Kyle Seager. Um, you were terrible last year, so. Um, but yeah, so Vogie is is a baller. Uh, I watched, uh, you know, I live in Tacoma Town and T Town. I watched him last year, and he, you know, it's just the thing that's fun to watch about, or not. I don't even it's fun to watch. I mean, it's creating these like four hour games. But the thing that is encouraging is, yeah, they're mashing dingers and and just like having these ridiculous like streaks of hitting. But they just see pitches, man, and they they may, they work counts. They take walks. Even the guys that last year, guys like Healy and Gordon, that were just not—they're seeing more pitches. They're they're laying off pitches more. But then you got guys like Vogelback and and guys like Santana and guys, you know, 
this new catcher who Navarez, like just guys who just take pitches and they're just like murder on pitch counts. Like Casey's starter tonight went four innings because like and he had given up four runs, but it was like he was already nearing a hundred pitches in four innings. And they do this every single game. And they're all their games have been three and a half hours. But that's what makes you think like maybe there's something there. But but it's as a Mariners fan, you have a hard time. I'm just trying to enjoy the moment and then just it's kind of like last season. I just, although the, you know, the last season we were like, oh, it's the run differential is going to be our downfall. But now they have this like crazy big run di- differential. So you're like, I'll find some other reason not to believe in. <laughs> I mean, but if yeah, you're so going to average, if you're going to average eight runs a game, you're going to be fine. Yeah, just keep, just keep averaging. You know what? If if Daniel Vogelback is going to have a 2,000 plus OPS all year, I think they're going to be okay. Like just stick him in the middle of the lineup, and you're automatically going to score like five runs game. I mean, we don't <laughs> know that Vogelback can't keep doing this. We don't know because we he's never had a full season. Exactly, in the, he's in never the, had the opportunity he has right now. He could keep doing this. He could he could post a freaking Barry Bonds level walk rate all year. He could. Yeah. It's possible. His you know what his his eye was pretty legendary in the minors. Yeah, yeah. it actually was, um, and that's something that translates. Um, but uh, but yeah, right now he's mashing. He's fun to watch. I mean, he's yeah. almost he's he's worth like a one. One win above replacement rate. That's like Mike Trout level, like, <laughs> and playing at DH, you know, like it's, like it's like Mike Trout level production already. We, right. we got With a couple no guys. defense, no contribution from defense at all. Well, and, and the Mariners have a couple guys right now, like like Tim Beckham. He's been out for a couple. Of years. He's like playing over. They basically bet a bunch of seal. They were hope, you know, they. They they took a bunch of chances on a bunch of guys' uh, ceilings, basically. And they got Jay Bruce hitting a ton of dingers. They have uh, Daniel Vogelbach, like, hitting better than he ever has in his life. They got Tim Beckham playing, like, the number one draft pick that everyone thought he was. Uh, you have D Gordon sitting over 300 again. You, you know, like, Ryan Healy is, you know, producing at third base. You know, it's like... Uh, and Edward and Carnacion is hitting. What do you think? Uh, uh, Domingo Santana is, is is playing as as well as you could possibly hope for. Like it's just crazy. Like it's it, it's it's fun to it's it's fun that it happens at the start of the season because then you get these like gaudy records like eleven and two and things like that. Because you know a team can win eleven and thirteen in the middle of the year and it's fun. But it's like depending on what they've done the rest of the year, it could just be them making up ground which is typically what it is with the mariners but it's fun to bust out to this lead but ultimately like you still as a mariners fan are like you're just gonna break our hearts again and just so i'm not even gonna invest well and let's be honest dingers are fun right i mean that's dingers yeah you know i mean you can 33 dingers in 13 games (laughs) which you know again back to that's you know almost certainly unsustainable but at the same time it's like you know it's it's fun and it's 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 kind of nice because i you know i've definitely um you know fallen out of love with the mariners to a large degree um i've become a big soccer fan as i know you are as well but um but you know big fan of the sounders i only have so much time in my life uh to watch games you know the mariners have just sort of pissed me off for the better part of you know 25 years and um you know it's just sort of like you know you just um 
you know, it's, it's just nice to have something that you can smile about and something that you can like. And, and, you know, again, you know, last year it was sort of like, uh, you know, how are they doing this? You know, they, they were winning all these close games and you just kind of go, eh, you know, eventually the wheels are going to fall off. And they did, um, you know, this, you know, I don't know that this is necessarily any more sustainable, but this is hella fun. Like, it's just, you know, you watch them and, oh, there goes another Homer. Oh, there goes another Homer, you know? Um, and then the other thing I kind of notice about him is, uh, you know, and again, it's, it's one of those sort of, I try not to play, you know, armchair psychologist with, with athletes and, and teams or whatever. Um, so for whatever this is worth, but, um, you know, they, they really do seem to sort of enjoy playing the game together. And, and again, I don't know how much of that is, you know, chicken or egg type thing. Are, are they enjoying it because they are, you know, you know, mashing the crap out of the ball and beating everybody or are they beating everybody because they're enjoying playing together? So obviously I don't know the answer to that. And I usually will lean towards the, they feel good because, um, because they're playing well, but um, I will say that last year's team seemed to be dysfunctional. I mean, they did have a fist fight <laughs> in the, right. you know, before a game um, that Scott Service is like, oh, that happens all the time. And I'm like, okay, I guess. But um, I don't recall reading a lot, you know, like every year about, oh, it's the annual fist fight, you know. So, um, you know, and I wonder how much of that was, you know, getting rid of, of some of the guys, you know, guys such as, you know, Gene Segura and Robinson Cano. Um, you know, I have a hard time believing Edwin Diaz would, would be a part of that as a, as a guy who was, who was in the bullpen. Um, but you know, Cano and, and Segura and, and sort of those guys, um, you know, I do, I do kind of wonder, you know, how much of that was, uh, maybe just, you know, some dysfunction within the clubhouse. So I, I don't know that, you know, chemistry, I mean, we make fun of you and I, our listeners probably don't know this, but you and I have made fun of chemistry, you know, many a time over the years, but, um, yeah, you know, I don't think chemistry leads you to winning, but I do think that bad chemistry can maybe prevent you from being everything you can be. So, um, these guys are fun. They seem to be having fun and I'm having fun and, you know, baseball is fun when you're hitting dingers. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely fun, you know, compared to those DePoto teams that were built on, uh, run prevention. This team is built on just extending pitch counts and producing, runs just by having base runners you know it's a very kind of at this point an old school method of doing things uh you know if you're going 20 years ago billy bean style but um but yeah it's fun and and i am you know you were talking about being you know the sounders and everything but i am i'm doing the double dip on saturday uh you know uh spending the day away from my daughter again um but uh, so it, it it kind of came together. My my dad was um, he's coming over from Yakima with his with it with his uh, work group on a bus, and and they're going to the Mariners game, and and uh, it ended up his wife couldn't go, so he had an extra ticket. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll go up. And then uh, Michael Preston, our uh, you know our 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 our, our other podcasting colleague. <laughs> Original um, he, podcast. Original podcasting. Well, no, no, no. We had that really shitty podcast. Oh, that is 2009. true. <laughs> that is true. I, I had a shitty podcast, and then I gave it to Michael and was like, please make this better, which he did. Yeah, that was that was, that was was bad. I, th- I think most people are like, is Craig okay? Like, That's right. Is Craig sleeping, or, is is Craig Craig, sleeping? or did Craig just wake up, or... <laughs> 
I got that a lot. All in my defense, I was living in Tennessee when we were recording that, and we and usually it was like at midnight when we were recording, but whatever. But um, but yeah, but yeah. So uh, so yeah, Preston, you know, messaged me and he's like, I got an extra ticket for Saturday, and so uh, we're gonna go eat some pastrami sandwiches and then go to the go to the Sounders, and then I'm gonna go to the Mariners. I'm it's like double dip it's going to be great and hopefully the mariners hit some dingers and hopefully the sanders keep doing what they're doing and and i see a few goals and we i just uh, you know i get lots of moments of celebration and and uh um but i i'm just i have this great fear that the mariners have been scoring all these runs hitting all these dingers and they're going to lose like two to zero <laughs> i am super jealous that you get to go by the way i'll be in uh, i'll be in leavenworth with with my family but um yeah, I'm very, very jealous. I did the double one time uh, last year. Did that with uh, my buddy Jojo, and uh, we did the did the Sounders, and then did the Mariners, and it was it was everything I hoped it would be for sure. Yeah, and I, I are I you getting the socks? By the way, are you getting the socks? What, the socks. So there are co-branded socks, and I don't know. I don't know if you can only acquire those if you buy both tickets. Like, at the, like I don't know how this works, but I do know that there are co-branded Sounders Mariners socks. Well, that sounds like so something you'll, you'll I have would to look love into. to have. Because um, you like are that. a sock guy, by the way. Your sock game is on point. Yeah, I, I love I love me some socks. I was actually wearing some Sounders socks this weekend, and they were on point. I um so but uh but yeah I I um. I will be on the lookout for those socks. I'm super stoked. I've never done the double before. Um, every year I'm like looking for a weekend to do it. It just never works out. So I'm stoked to do it for the first time. Um, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of, uh, I'm sure I'll have a few beers. Um, uh, I'll have, I'll have some terrible food. I'll get to see my dad, which is great. He'll be pretty drunk because for the bus over, they got like a, a catering uh, license so they can bring their own beer and get drunk on the bus so from you know two and a half three hours from Yakima so he'll be he'll be in good shape by the time he, he reaches me and I'll probably be in good shape by the time uh, I I reach him so so it, it'll be fun and hopefully the Mariners mash some dingers and the and the Sanders score some goals but um yeah so I don't know if you guys know this um uh, we're a WSU podcast and we're all uh, also Mariners and Sanders fans. So um, if if these seasons continue for those two teams, you're especially in the summer, probably going to hear more and more about them. Yeah, that's we're Seattle fans, too. So, yeah, sorry, everyone who's not Seattle fans, but, you know, whatever. You can just turn it off just like you do when we start talking politics. Oh, man. Politics. Yeah, we stepped in that one last week. That got us, that got us in trouble. Mostly you in trouble. but Mostly me. I use some loaded language. I teach about that in my English class. Loaded language. I definitely used some last week. So you know, I I consider myself the host. So you know, I I try to play moderate, even though I I have my own opinions. But but I you know you were uh, I didn't disagree with any, anything you said. But <laughs> but uh, but but uh, we had some readers on Coog Center that did particularly. And that's one. okay. Disagreements <laughs> healthy. Yes. Even if they're wrong. Even if you're wrong. Just be better at arguing. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to talk about? So, um, 
I was uh, I was on Facebook last week, um, and I was and I was one of my my friends who has a kid that's roughly the same age as Beatrix put this picture of her playing with a, a little tyke soup, and I'm like, wait, I felt like how how have I not gotten my kid a little tyke soup because she loves watching basketball. Like she gets super excited. She's she's like, you know, I've played with her at the Y and stuff. You know, I dribbled around and whatever. And then she sees it on TV and she gets really excited and she plays with the bas like the full size basketball we have at home. And so I got uh I got her a little tykes basketball. It comes with like three basketballs. It's like two and a half foot hoop. And she just got so excited. And she instantly knew how to put the ball in the hoop, slam dunk. You know, that's all she can do. She can't throw the ball yet. But, but she 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 also is great at. Re- I've actually used the the hoop a lot more than she has so far. Um, I, I just like play around with it all the time in the living room, <laughs> um, which which was to be expected. Um, but uh, but she uh, she gets really excited because whenever she goes, she just grabs the ball randomly and goes and puts it in the hoop. Her mom and I get really excited, and then we taught her that we would give her high fives. And no, so now she loves high fives. She goes like five, five, and like, and she comes up with her hand and she gives one to one of us, and then walks over and gives one to another of us, and then walks back to the other one and wants another one. And then it's like she needs at least four high fives before she's satisfied um, after every dunk. And she claps like she dunks, and she looks at us and starts clapping. Uh, I think she's watched me uh, watch basketball a little bit, but. Um, you know, this over this last month, just watching me watch the tournament. Um, but yeah, she's stoked about the basketball. Um, her mom doesn't really want her to play basketball because she doesn't want to hang out in gyms all the time. Um, but uh, I'm like... I'm- no, you need to explain to Amanda that it could be worse. Like, she could want to play soccer and, like, you'd be standing in the rain all the time. That's what I said. Like, like she's a, well, at least she's outside. Way, I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, way worse. Yeah. You know where we live, right? Way like, worse. It, it, the weather isn't good most of the yep. time. Yep. No, like, that, indoor sport. I mean, maybe volleyball or something, you know, if she doesn't want basketball, but indoor sports are 100% the way to go. Yeah. I just like, um, you know, we're, we're taking her to switch. She graduated to the, next level of swimming lessons which turned out to be the exact same class with the exact same teacher who drives us both crazy so we were not excited about that um and there were like b was supposed to be like the youngest you know like just now graduating to that class and there were younger people in it so apparently it doesn't even matter um so thanks why um luckily this teacher we found out after this session is moving to north carolina so um, she's just uh, really annoying. I, I don't. Uh, I hope she's listening to this. Um, Beatrix is in your class at, at <laughs> one of the YMCA's in Tacoma, and and uh, and and we can't stand you. I hope you're listening yeah. right now. I hope she feels Thank properly you. shamed. I hope you feel shamed. And that song you made up when I was there it was terrible. Terrible. Because um, it's mostly singing these songs. Oh, and 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 then Beatrix loves this one elephant song they sing. Like uh, you, do you? Know, um, one elephant go to play over, and there's like all these hand motions with it. And so she, 
she can't she doesn't know all the the words and but she knows there's hand motion so she just goes like da 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 and moves her hands and but none of the other kids know it but apparently like the teacher um this is from amanda like she she kind of like sarcastic well you're all too young to know how to do this except beatrix because she's so old she knows it and i'm like why are you, you gonna be a bitch like what the f- just get out of here like like <laughs> like which let stop stop shaming my kid for liking your damn song um but yeah it's just um it's pretty annoying oh i forgot to mention dude we did let's back to bc for a second Andre Diller is one of 23 players that are invited to the draft. Yeah, how about I that? Saw, that's I just cool. saw it pop up. This is totally tangent. Sorry, yeah. everyone who's already given up, but that's yeah, that does not happen very often for WSU. Well, and after after practice, um, we were kind of standing around me and Theo and uh, Bill Stevens, who's the SID, and we were all like, uh, Theo asked the question, when was the last? Who was the last guy to get invited? And uh, we were all sort of racking our brains, and we figured it was probably Ryan Leaf, although I, I, it was sort of undecided at the end there. He, Bill wasn't sure if maybe Marcus Trufant had gotten um, invited because he went pretty high, uh, I think 14 or something like that when he was drafted. Maybe he might have even been higher than that. I don't remember, but um, I know it was in the upper half of the first round. So anyway, pretty cool, pretty rare. Um, also, you know, pretty amazing for a guy who – you know, came to came to WSU as a you know basically a basketball power forward, you know, and turned into uh, an all you know an all uh, an all Pac-12 you know left tackle and you know potentially a top you know top 20 top 15 uh, NFL draft picks. Pretty wild. True Font was number 11, by the way. There you go. That um, sounds right. I don't yeah. know if he was invited though. Yeah, yeah, I don't, um, I don't know either, um, but. Yeah, just uh, that. There, that's a lot. You know, you you can credit the program, but that that requires a lot of uh, um, effort and and talent from on Dillard's end to keep that athleticism as you gain uh, roughly a, more than a hundred pounds, and, and and just the he's just impressed over and over again with as like as we we've seen some WSU lineman prospects not perform so well. Once they get to the, you know, you know, once they get to those evaluations, but he's just, he's done nothing but increase his prospects. And, um, it's really cool. It makes you proud. And, um, I hope he, uh, ends up on a team that I don't hate. Yeah. That'd be nice. Unlike, you know, when Dayon got drafted by the Cardinals and I had to be like, ah, let's see on Jacksonville now. Do you get your Jacksonville? I think that's where he is now. Yeah. So, so now I can, I can go back to being happy for him again. I mean, I was happy for him anyway. I'm not that petty, but you know, I maybe, I don't know. Jacksonville had those couple years when they looked like they were going to be good, but who knows? No, oh no, Tampa Bay. I'm sorry. Tampa Bay. <laughs> I got my, I got my, uh, Florida towns yeah that's all right i mean either way it's far from seattle not in the same division so yeah that works yeah yeah so uh go down go andre dillard and uh cool man uh you got any yeah go kooks you got any uh you got any kid stories you got any anything you want to no, although I wish my kids um, would perform at sports simply for high fives. That would be cool. Yeah. Because with uh, with my kids, they they just don't. Um, 
they don't really like sports that much. I, I keep forcing them to play it. I think partly equally because um, it's just sort of equal measure. Like I feel like it's a responsible parent thing to do, right? To get them to to exercise and and play, you know, with other kids and you know just kind of learn all the valuable lessons that sports, you know, supposedly teach us. And then the other half is, um, you know, I'm crazy about sports and I want my kids to like sports also. Um, but it was funny. So Tristan, my, my middle child who is, who is nine, uh, just finished basketball season, man, he just was not, he just, he has this tendency on the basketball court to just kind of float around and not really do anything productive, just kind of run up and down the floor and not really find, you know, open spaces and, um, you know, play defense and, and rebound. And, and my kids are pretty tall. Tristan's actually the, you know, he's taller than most other kids, even though he's like the shortest of my three relative to his peers, if that makes any sense. Um, and so I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, Tristan, I will give you $5 if you get a rebound. And then all of a sudden his eyes light up and he's like $5. And I'm like, yeah, I'll give you $5 if you get a rebound. And so all of a sudden that kind of refocused him and, uh, he was running around trying to get rebounds, which he almost did a few times, but alas, (laughs) alas, he ended the year with zero rebounds, but he did try. He tried awful hard, and the five bucks did, did what it did what it was supposed to do, which was um, focus him and get him concentrating on on trying to track the ball. So, so it worked out okay, except for him because he never got the five bucks. But you know, whatever. Baseball season now he's already trying to figure out. Okay, so baseball was a sport that he um, wasn't bad at last year. He's actually a pretty decent hitter. Um, and so now it's like, he's trying to start trying to figure out what I'm going to give him five bucks for. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, probably nothing, but we'll see. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's hard to tell when, when they're uh, 17 months old, if they're going to like anything that you like. Um, she got really excited when she, she came out from her bath with her mom and uh the baseball the mariners game was on and even though it was bit like she just saw the diamond she did go to a lot of baseball games last year so i don't know if she has any like sort of i know the memories it's hard to tell when they're but like some recognition of it but she saw the diamond and she saw the pitcher and and she has started going the same thing she does when she goes basketball she goes and like moves her hand up and down like dribbling and so she did the exact same thing when she saw the baseball. So I'll just keep taking her to baseball games and soccer games and 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 football games and basketball games. Well, I don't know how many basketball games she'll go to, but um, I you know I'll, I'll uh, just keep taking her to those things and and hopefully she'll uh, um, she'll uh, be obsessed. Amanda is bummed that she seems to be favoring me at the at the moment. Um, uh, which is uh, that's causing... real hard for moms, man. Yeah, it's, it's getting it's getting it's getting worse. Uh, there's times when I'm holding her and Amanda wants to hold her, and she just flat out refuses to go to mom, um, and then mom dies inside. Just a uh, little bit. Just, just a, a little, little bit. bit. Just the first of many. Um, just the first of many times that daughter makes mom die a little bit inside. So, um, but yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, so far she is being formed in my image. Um, I hope that's a good thing. I don't know. Um, she seems to be as pretty long as She's short. not drinking beer yet. You're okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, I do worry about when uh, she is in the teenage years and I got this cellar full of hundreds of beers. Um, I'm going to have to like print out an inventory and just like post it and have a sign that says, <laughs> I know every single beer that's in here. That that only works up until a certain age. Like I've got my kids thinking, so, you know, they, a couple of them have phones and we, we talked about this on a, on a very long ago podcast. Um, but you know, I told them when I gave them the phones, we can see everything. And they were like, Oh my God, really? And I'm like, everything, all of it. And they were like, Oh, okay. You know, I, I'm not sure yet what the age is when they will realize that I can't, but I'm, I'm hoping I've, I've bought myself another maybe year or two. I don't know, but yeah, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have a, a padlock on that thing to which only you have the key. You're, you're, you're really going to have to put a new door handle on and, you know, maybe a deadbolt where like literally you only have the key and, and that's it. Otherwise, uh, B and her friends are going to have a party. She'll be like, my dad's got hundreds of these things. He'll never notice. But the funny thing is, is I totally would notice. I, I have, probably would, I, actually. I, I have, maybe not I right have, away. I have over 700 beers right now. And if one was missing, I probably would know. Like, if I, if I actually, I mean, if the one's in boxes, they could definitely get away with for a bit. But I would find out eventually and then it becomes even worse and and like once i find out eventually i'm like i didn't drink this beer excuse me of course beatrix is an angel would never do that yeah of course she would but um but uh but yeah so i i do think i remember when when i was a teenager um going in my friend's parents liquor cabinets and we would pour some out and then pour water in them but i do think with beer you can't do that like you'd have to be pretty impressive to figure out a method for that so I'm 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 you know I'm hoping that beer is a little more of a deterrent than the hard alcohol. Yeah, I think uh, I I would hope so. I mean, you know, a lot of kids they they drink beer and they're like, this doesn't even taste good, you know. So oh, yeah, and a lot of my beers, it's like they really won't taste good. Yeah, those those <laughs> aren't those aren't beers for people to drink first. No, <laughs> most of those. Yeah, I'll just like give her like a really sour beer and be like, here, this is what beer tastes like. Yeah, sure. Try some of this. And she'll be like, <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh. At first, she's thinking, my dad's the coolest. He's going to give me a taste of his beer. And then she's going to be like, Ugh. oh, my God. Oh, my God. This tastes like this tastes like like hay and and like it makes my tongue hurt. And uh, and then you're like, yep, that's what it's supposed to taste like. All beer tastes like that. It's like every so single beer does. I just won't give her like sugary payoff. One one of the beers I had this weekend from Holy Mountain, and I do have a couple in my cellar, is their hazelnut uh, cocoa midnight still, and that is a sweet, delicious beer. And I'm sure that if you had never had beer, and you had only had sweet, then you'd, be, you'd have a taste that'd be like, this is what beer tastes like. That's amazing. Um, so I would never want them to get into anything like that. Cause then they'd be like, Oh, pastry stouts. Yum. That's what all beers like. It tastes like candy. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd stay away from those. Give her, give her something like, I don't know, something with like a hundred, you know, IBUs or. Whatever. Oh yeah. Just give her the bitterest IPA I can find. Yeah. And just like, here like, you go. Here. This is what all beer tastes like. Yeah. I remember my first IPA. It was Pike's IPA, which is not a very good IPA still. No. 
but it was I remember my friend brought it home from Seattle and we had it because we were like dabbling in craft beer and whatever they had at the Winco for like less than seven dollars um and it was I just thought it was the most disgusting thing I ever had and I didn't drink IPAs for years after that and then I realized that everyone else was drinking them so I like weaned myself onto them and then they became this the only thing I would drink for a while which I think a lot of people go through and now I'm like yeah IPAs are good and because they're pretty much the only thing you see anywhere and IPAs are totally different now than they used to be but anyways I'm digressing uh, I think we're about out of time here Jeff I think our readers are out of time our listeners yep, I think we're there but uh, yeah um, I hope we didn't say anything that's going to spark controversy the controversy we, this week I don't think we yeah, did I don't think we did I didn't call the president a racist this week so yeah that's, so you that's good you definitely didn't call the president a racist definitely didn't yep let the record show yep alright well so as Jeff said earlier, follow us on Twitter at pod versus everyone. Uh, if you have questions or comments, you can reach us on there. If you don't like Twitter, you don't want to go on there. We have an email at podcast versus everyone at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me at the Craig Powers. I have been waffling between 1499 and 1500 followers. I would love to just just break through that 1500 yeah put craig over the top put me over the top um and uh yeah uh uh go cougs and uh jeff is gonna have some fun stuff to talk about next week i know he is yes i am go cougs yeah thanks everyone go cougs